Welcome to Rockstar Today, the podcast that helps musicians quit their day jobs. Show notes can be found on rockstartoday.com forward slash podcast. You will also find a link to sign up to the Rockstar Today Backstage Pass Facebook group. And now your host, Randall. So welcome to the Rockstar Today podcast. My name is Randall Wark and we're here with Cherie Alexander. And you're with the founder of Observe, Connect, and Influence. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what your uh, superpower is. I... Sure. So uh, my superpower is helping other people be more influential and persuasive in the moments when they matter. So I set out on a very odd personal journey about eight years ago where I had been an entrepreneur for about six or seven years and was helping people with their presentation skills, how to be successful when public speaking. And I had done that for enough years that I was like, "Ah, I just feel like there's nothing else to learn in this space. And I always like to keep growing. And so I thought, well, what is it that I love about public speaking that people can persuade others? They can change minds, hearts, uh, actions, behaviors. And I wanted to know, well, who's really the best of the best at that? So I sought out the world's best influencers. And those people include CIA field operatives, hostage negotiators, con artists, pickup artists, military intelligence officers. Um, The list goes on and on because I wanted to talk to the individuals who in high pressure situations are able to convince somebody to think a certain way, feel a certain way, act a certain way. So that was the beginning of the research, which is leading into a book that I'm writing. And since then, I've helped entrepreneurs, leaders, and people of all types be persuasive when it counts. Awesome. So you're a speaker, you're a coach, and obviously a writer. We'll look forward to that book very soon. Me too. (laughs) I I noticed that you had a Caldini, the book Influence, which is one of the earlier ones. So it's going to need that refresh from, uh, from you, basically. (laughs) <laughs> so we can get some modern application. We are, we're obviously a, a podcast that helps uh, musicians and bands. And there are so many different places that I thought that influence can play a big part in their progress. I thought of uh, about five at the moment. So the first one I was thinking of is when um, bands often have, they often have to speak with promoters mm-hmm. or speak with people to basically get booked. And uh, I was wondering if you had any tips on how especially bands that are a little bit more new, they might be not able to express themselves clearly. Maybe they're not, they've never been in, you know, a band is a business. Being a musician Mm. nowadays is a business. You have to take care of everything. So any tips on how they could approach influencers like promoters or agents just to get noticed and to get the gigs? Sure. So a struggle that artists have in general is artists tend to be, their brains are just slightly wired differently than the rest of us. And it shows in how they communicate. So artists tend to speak a lot in feelings um, that they use a lot of emotion words. What they tend to not use as often is like concrete, measurable things. And so when you're wanting somebody else to promote you, to book you, all that good stuff, make sure you have a good mix of all of those emotion feelings that you easily tap into, as well as some of the concrete stuff. So for example, 
Um, you mentioned Cialdini's book behind me, which is uh, called Influence, and it is one of the Bibles for influential communications. One of the categories that he brings up in there is uh, social proof. So one of the things that you might want to consider is where, when I'm talking to a promoter, who else do I know that, you know, if they put in a good word for me, if I shared, you know, let's say like if it's a testimonial or um, a really happy client that wrote a letter, any of those things can help you because that's social proof. You bragging on yourself doesn't have nearly the same amount of credibility as somebody else bragging on you. That's why when you go to websites, you see like quotes from their clients and things like that. Another thing that you obviously will need is you want to have a different form of social proof, which is examples. So video of you playing at a venue and people's reaction cutting to the audience, maybe it shouldn't always be you on stage. They want the social proof of the audience's reaction as well whenever you send them that demo link of some sort. Another thing that you want to think about, which I'm sure a lot of band members probably know this, if you're new in the industry, you might not have come to this realization just yet, but a lot of it is about who you know. So you need to be out there networking. You want to be in the venues where those promoters are. You want to figure out who are my top marks, and I say mark in quotes, Uh, just as a shorthand way of saying the person that you want to influence. Because I constantly talk about the people you want to influence, and instead of me saying the people you want to influence 7,000 times, I just call them your mark. There's there's an influential phenomenon that you want to be aware of, and it's called the familiarity effect. Meaning, if you and I were to see each other at an event, we would just simply take a glance and might not even engage with each other. But in a few weeks, if I see you at a similar event, then it's like, oh, you're familiar, so maybe we'll engage. And if I see you uh, over a period of time at these types of things, I start to associate you as a safe bet because now you have ch- you have shown me that you're a part of my tribe. We, we have similar interests. Mm-hmm. So figure out where are those people hanging out. Yes, practicing in your garage or wherever it is helps you with your craft, but getting yourself out there, even the fact of being seen at places actually has influential leverage to it. Because if they see you a number of times, you become a safer and safer encounter than if they see you for the first time and you just straight up approach them. Now your your threat factor is a little bit higher. Does it take a little bit of time? Is there an investment involved? Absolutely. But is it worth it? A hundred percent. Basically playing the long game. Yes. So a lot of the people that I interviewed uh, included con artists. And there's different types of con artists. There's one that's the the short game, which is, hey, I'm going to do this bar bet with you. And I'm actually cheating during this bet. So I'm going to swindle you out of, you know, five to 50 bucks. Then there's the long game where they develop a relationship with the person and unfortunately in some of the worst circumstances they they end up swindling somebody out of tens to hundreds of thousands of dollars even though that's a horrible side of being a manipulative horrible person there is a lesson to be learned that 
there, if you put in the time and effort, the return on quote unquote investment is much greater. So don't operate out of a scarcity mindset of, oh my gosh, this is my one, one chance. Anybody who's been in any sort of entrepreneurial field after a period of time learns, oh, I, the universe actually sends me a bunch of chances. <laughs> so if I just trust in that and know that when the time is right and when the chips are all aligned, then I can make a move. So don't operate out of that fear of like, I got to make my new move right now because now you have all that anxiety and energy that the other person is picking up on, which let's just jump into one more influential lesson and then I'll shut up. And that is the concept of be what you want to see. So if we have these mechanisms within our brains called mirror neurons, and basically those mirror neurons that if I start displaying anxiety behavior in front of you that I'm fearful or afraid, especially if I'm a speaker and I show all that fear, you as my audience member are actually going to feel that fear Inside of you, you feel uncomfortable. Your heart rate actually increases a little bit. Um, your muscles are going to tense up a little bit because you see fear in me. You feel fear in you. This is so important for us to know because we want to be what we want to see in others. So you need to be excited about yourself. You need to be confident in yourself. You need to have that enthusiasm because then they will actually feel that. If you go in with timidness or nervousness, they feel that. And that's not a pleasant feeling. That's that charisma factor that a lot of people talk about. Basically, you're talking about uh, observe, which is one of the main tenets of your the building blocks of your business. I mean, mm -hmm. your business is called Observe, Connect, Influence. Observe mm -hmm. being the major one that you're going to spend most of the time. Like yes. uh, you've, you've mentioned in some videos, it's that's what's under the, the iceberg. It's what's under the water. So yep. in terms of observations, there's m many places you can do research, I'm assuming, like uh, social media. You can find out who the important connectors are, uh, do a little bit of research on them, try to find some commonalities. Uh, mm -hmm. And any other things that you can think of that where, you, where people can uh, basically research and do the observation? I mean, obviously, pay attention to the types of people that they're putting up on stage. Uh, what is the through line? What is the similarity? Sometimes... To influence your mark, the most direct path may not be your best path. So perhaps you approaching your mark directly may not play to your favor. So then the next question is, well, who already has influence over my mark? So in a business setting, let's say there's a CEO of a company that I really want to be able to go do some workshops for. But reaching that CEO is just freaking impossible because there's seven gatekeepers. But if I learn, oh, every every person has a right-hand man or a right-hand woman, that person that they trust, that they turn to, whether it's their administrative assistant or best friend or, or you know, the VP in a different department, generally speaking, those people are way easier to get to. And so if I build that relationship with that person, then all that person has to do is whisper to my mark like, hey. That Sheree Alexander chick's a really good speaker. We should bring her on for our next event. And the CEO then goes, okay, cool. Never gives it a second thought because that rapport and trust is already built in. You know, maybe there's a band that that promoter absolutely already loves. 
I may not go straight for the promoter. I may, you know, buddy, buddy with some other bands and just be friends. Again, this is a little bit more of a long game, but really and truly networking in general is and should be a long game. Networking, uh, too many people view networking as one night stands in business. Like, hey, I just met you. You want to hook up and do something? No? Okay, cool. Hey, I just met you. Do you want to hook up and do something? And that's when people are just passing out business cards and saying, like, this is what we do. This is how we're different. That is just as dirty and slimy as that person that goes out every night to the bar looking to hook up for one night stands. Um, You're not going to catch the thing you want to catch. You're going to catch something much different. Um, So networking needs to be that long game. And so if you need to influence somebody who already has influence over your person, then go that route. And the beauty of it is, is that there doesn't have to be this perfectly lined out strategy. If you put in a little effort into these different areas, those stars will align. If you're hanging out with that other band and you're showing up to other events and they see you and become familiar with you, then that magic moment pretty much always presents itself. Promoters and people always hang out with people like themselves. So it may not be that specific promoter, but another one is probably hanging out in the same area. Everybody knows everybody in our super niched world. Mm -hmm. So you just got to get out from away from your computer screen once in a while. Get that little wedge in. I know, man. Well, well, I, was, I was thinking of one of the places where, uh, like, when I do reviews, I often, not always, but I sometimes have access to the backstage, and, and I notice that, uh, especially for festivals, festivals have a lot of dead time, and the bands will kind of, like, hang out, and, and because uh, it's a social event in the backstage, they kind of hang out in their little groups. If you see a band that maybe that you need to connect with, I'm I'm thinking specifically of the feet. Oh sure, okay, yeah. Uh, how can you use the basically the foot uh, trick to see when, <laughs> when when is a good time to uh, to try to join in that conversation? Sure. Now your listeners are like, wait, this chick's knows some foot trick. What the heck is coming next? All right, so. Um, a few body language basics first. Your feet are the most honest part of your body. And this kind of makes sense when you think about it from an evolutionary and survival point of view. Our feet help us survive. They will help us kick and stomp our way out of a fight. They will help us run away as fast as we can. You know, something is attacking us or what most people forget about the fight or flight response is that there's a third one, which is freeze. So our, our survival response is actually freeze, um, flight, and then last resort is fight. So the feet really are highly connected to our survival part of our brain, which is known as the limbic system, which means we don't really think about our feet very often. And that means a lot of body language tells leak out through our feet. So when you look at a group of people and if they're standing around in a circle or some similar type of shape, you can tell when a group of people is really in rapport, when all the feet are pointed towards the center of that makeshift circle, that everybody is really gelling when the feet are pointed towards that center. People 
where that super awkward moment when you approach a group of people and they're kind of like, Ugh, I don't, why, why are you coming into our group right now? And you feel like, a, you know, like you're in high school again. It's because you try to approach a group that's in strong rapport. It's like they got music playing and then you're just to the side, like tapping on a triangle, like, hey guys, can I come in? Can, can, can the triangle play a little bit? Is that cool? Super awkward. Nobody likes that. Now, there are opportunities when you can approach a group when a person in the group or maybe a number of people, their feet aren't pointed to the center, they're pointed to the side. And that's almost like the foot is a little door opening for you to come into the group. It means the group's kind of gelling, but it's not really locked in. And that per you want to approach the group right next to that person whose foot is pointing outward away from the center. It's like a little door. And it's so much more easy when you do that because in that moment, they're not quite gelling and it's like they're welcoming, they're subconsciously welcoming new blood to this conversation and you're taking advantage of that. Another um, little tip on the feet is that where if there's a group of people and let's say one person in this group is a power player, like this person is the money man or the money woman. This is the promoter. This is the person that can change your career. This is the agent. And let's just say you don't know who that person is. You've never heard of this person. You can tell through body language that this is the most important person in the group because everybody's feet are going to be pointed towards that person. They may be, they may be trying to play a coy uh, in their torso. They may not be squaring up to them because that they know that that's a little bit too much. Um, and they may not be leaning into that person with their shoulders because they know that, okay, the consciously we're aware that that's a little bit needy, but because we forget about our feet, that tell is leaking through when everybody's feet are pointed towards that person. So that's one way that when I go into big events that I can tell like, oh, here's where the power players are. And then you know that now you have a new mark for your list. Mm -hmm. Speaking of body language, it's such an interesting topic uh, because as performers, they're obviously portraying something, either uh, a character, an emotion, or they're portraying yep. their, their own life story. How could uh, musicians or artists use body language while they're performing? Oh, man. <laughs> so many ways. The first thing is, and it depends on style. I mean, obviously, like a Nora Jones is going to be completely different body language than a Marilyn Manson. So that ties into your artistry. But as a general rule of thumb, I would say if there's a character you're wanting to portray or an emotion that's slightly outside of something that you might have personally experienced, then ask yourself, what what does my body do? do in those moments? How do I do happiness? How do I do sadness? What are the physical components of feeling confident? What are the physical components of feeling insecure? It all can translate from a proud chest to a, a collapsed chest, to shoulders up to your ears, to your shoulder plates back and pulled back together to leaning on one side of your leg versus standing evenly between both legs. There's all of these different components. And this is what we ultimately call state. State is the, the marriage between your physicality and your emotions. 
And it's a beautiful thing that we do as creatures that if we change our body language and body language affects our breathing, that then we actually can create an emotion. So uh, an old kind of adage or, or uh, kind of rule of thumb, for lack of a better word, is for people who are depressed or feeling sadness or, or anxiety, one of the things that might help, it doesn't work for everybody every time, but when you, you're depressed, your body is doing depression. You're slumped over, your face is relaxed, drooping down, your brow is possibly furrowed together. So instead of trying to tell yourself, be happy, be happy, be happy, that's not going to work. Instead, what they say is like, put, you, just smile, stand in front of a mirror and smile. And it sounds dorky. You feel like a dork doing it. But in a certain amount of time, your brain registers, oh, my body's doing something different. My body's doing smile. My body's doing happiness. Well, let me send out a few better chemicals that will make sure that we're in alignment. And like so... A, like a pattern interrupt. Uh, like a pattern interrupt. So ask yourself, how do I do these different emotions? And then, of course, being on stage, how can I amplify that even more? So if confidence is a raised chest, how can I do that even more on stage? Well, raise chest and open arms and real big, anything like that. So just play around with your state. And the more mastery you have over your states, the more mastery you have over your life. And you have a background in acting specifically mm -hmm. theater. So that might be yep. a, a good place where you would uh, use these tools of creating an emotional state by the way you have your body, your, your positioning, your stance and all that. And correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it important also, especially when you're a performer, to even amplify more than you'd be comfortable with? Yes. So yeah, whenever you're on stage, you want to bring it up. Um, that's simply... It's using your body language the same as you would the volume of your voice. So if I'm speaking to you right now, I'm speaking in a normal voice. My body language is of an intimate conversation. But if I need to be heard by an audience, then naturally we all know to, to uh, increase the volume of our voice so that we can be heard. But the body language, if it's still of an intimate setting it can't be seen or slash it can't be heard by the whole audience. So you sometimes want to go, you generally need to go bigger. So my gestures, if I'm sitting across the table from somebody are pretty contained within my actual body width and probably don't extend out beyond, you know, what maybe a foot and a half from my body. Because if I throw an arm out then I'm knocking over water and, you know, food on the table. But whenever I'm on stage, my gestures are at least double the size, meaning I'm always outside the width of my body. I'm always at least, you know, outside of that foot and a half range. You also want to pay attention to levels. And that's one thing that a lot of people forget about is, yes, you can move side to side, but there's also up and down. Like you can put your arms up, you can, you can scrunch up small on the stage. There's all of these different levels to play with, which obviously communicate different emotions even more so. It's also it's almost like being a choreographer to some of the things that you want to uh, express in your music. Yeah. 
And, and I think you can tell when an, a performer has a certain comfort on stage or when they have a charisma. You say, oh, mm. you know, that person is a performer. And yet there's others that really lack that quality. And they normally, you know, unfortunately don't make it very, you know, they'll stay in that, that little sphere where they are. You know, if they do uh, bar shows, they'll stay in bars. So we're talking mm -hmm. about how, how to take it to the next level and get bigger, bigger stages. You and yeah. I are, are both speakers and it's, it's all about getting you know, the next stage, but you know, in front of more people. Yeah. Another thing I thought about when thinking about influence is, uh, so we talked about contacting people that are important, like promoters and agents and talking to different bands that might be able to help you out, obviously to become a, maybe opening up for them. Body language on stage. I was thinking also uh, about your bandmates because being in a business, you're, uh, I've been in business. I've had some good partnerships. I've had some really bad partnerships. And mm -hmm. your bandmates are basically your business partners for, if you yeah. want to take it that way. So how can you ex exert influence, but in a good way, uh, for your bandmates? There might be some disagreements. There's, it's not nobody always sees eye to eye. So how can that help? Sure. So in any team setting, the main mistake that people make is assuming expectations. This is where communication as a leader becomes very crucial that we assume that other people see things the way we see them. We assume that they have the same stories attached to different stimuli. We assume they have the same beliefs. We assume they have the same values. We assume that they'll behave a certain way. And then when they don't, we're like, well, what the heck, bro? Like, and, and then we're offended or we're hurt or whatever it is. Um, that's the beginning of all conflict is assumption of expectations. So one thing that, especially if you're working in a team that you want to really develop the skill set of, this is how I see this playing out. This is how I see our travel. This is how I see our, um, our decision-making process. This is how, and it may not even be, this is how I see or, it could be, this is one way that I think that we could, you know, just to soften the language a little bit. And then draw that same communication of expectation from your band members. How do you see it? Do you agree with this? What do you disagree with? Should we change anything? And make sure that those expectations are set out very clearly in a few, a number of years ago, for a few years, I had a business partner. We ultimately ended up going our separate ways. And I say that we had probably one of the best business partnership divorces n known to history ever, because there's a bunch of stories of business partnerships where they're best friends and they know the family and everything. And when the business partnership falls apart, they, they're like mortal enemies. And that's because they didn't set clear expectations ahead of time. So my business partner and I, we went through a, a legal document and said, these are your roles. These are mine. What if you want to leave? How would we handle that? What if I want to leave? How would we handle that? What if I am disabled and die? What if you're disabled or die? Like ha what happens to the business then? What are the expectations in these difficult to discuss scenarios? And then when that all came to pass where one of us wanted to go a different direction, we just simply looked back at that document and said, okay, this is what we agreed to. So find those moments in your band of like, 
what are what what is our system? What's our expectations for bookings, for travel, for decision making, for money, for if somebody wants to leave? Like you are in a marriage with a group of people and you need to treat it just as you would a marriage type of relationship and and talk about the difficult stuff because it's not all going to be sunshine and roses no matter how much we wish it were especially when you're touring and you're in such close-knit quarters with these people oh and you smell and they're annoying you and yeah a hundred percent is there different uh way like tricks in terms of the actual words or the language or how you would approach people so there is for that type of stuff to go into specific techniques we would need a specific type of situation um, but in general, what, one thing that you want to do is attach your influential hope, your influential goal with something that they already are aligned with, whether it's a value that they have, whether it's a story that they believe, whether it's a behavior that they've done in the past, you want to link up those types of things to your goal. So rather than saying, dude, I, I want, wish you would leave me alone between two and four when we're on the bus because I need alone time. That sounds a little bit more demanding rather than if you change it up slightly and say, hey man, you know the other day when we were all wanting to go party and you decided that you just want to like head back to the bus and read a book for a bit? Yeah, of course. I kind of discovered that I need that kind of alone time and maybe a little bit more frequently than the average bear. So could we just kind of have our separate cubby hole moments around like 10 and four in the afternoon? Is that cool? That's a completely different conversation. I'm saying the exact same thing at the core of it. My intention is still the exact same thing, but what has changed it is I've already got you to buy into my premise by thinking of an instance or attaching it to something that you already value, a behavior you've already demonstrated, um, uh, something you already believe, something you already trust, something you already respect, and then attach it to my influential goal. And I think you also, the, the thing that's different in that approach is that you're giving them something specific. Yeah. So you're not just saying, can you just like give me some space? Because that's very yes. vague. Yes, exactly. So that's great that you point that out. This is another uh, wiring in our communication that we all have to work on and changing is we all are very clear about what we don't want. I hate it when he cooks his breakfast at five in the morning. I can't stand it when she, you know, borrows my makeup. I can't, you know, we all know what we don't want. And we say that to somebody, but just as like a child, you actually need to tell them what you do want. What are they going to replace that behavior with? What are, how would you know that this was a successful communication transaction? What would you see in the world? What would you see a change in behavior? So rather than, dude, could you please not borrow my makeup? It perhaps changes to a discussion of respect, you know, like I, I'm again, just specific scenarios. So, Hey man, you know, like you got your journal that you write in every day and that's really personal to you. And you would hate it if somebody touches that. Yeah, of course. 
I kind of feel that way about my makeup. Like it's, it's my special place. I enjoy my time and it, it throws me off if things change. Do you mind if, if we have, we agree, like that's your stuff. This is my stuff. Okay, cool. Or could you, instead of cooking your breakfast so early in the morning, do you mind ordering in or whatever that behavior change is share what you do want with somebody instead of what you don't. This is a big thing in business that people get wrong. It's like, I really wish that you wouldn't reply to my emails three days late. Okay, but when is the window of time that you do want an email reply? Give me that kind of more specific parameters that I know that this is a success or failure. Sure. So that, yep. would, that would obviously make, um, well, if you get good relationships within the members, then they'll be, they'll, you'll see that on stage as well. So you'll gel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the three, your three tenets again are like observe, connect, and influence. Yep. Um, well, I'm, let's go back to the performance area. We talked about body language. Are there anything else that you can think of that would help someone to, especially especially if they, they stand for a cause or some sort of belief that they have and they want to project that to their, their the members in the audience? A cause or belief that they want to project? What Help me out with that. What does that mean exactly? I don't know. I'm just pulling something out of a hat. Let's just say... Uh, Let's say they're vegans. Okay. <laughs> I don't know, or animal rights activists. <laughs> but uh, I'm just thinking of different ways that we, maybe we can uh, help these bands to, to kind of accomplish what they want to do. For anybody who wants to achieve a goal, one of the big roadblocks mentally that we all have to identify and then overcome is we get into a habit of comparing ourselves to others. Oh, yes. And we look to other bands or we look to other entrepreneurs, we look to other businesses or models and say, I, let's just say it's like examples of things you hate. Like I don't want to be like Maroon 5, let's for randomly choosing a band. I don't like that style. I never want to be associated with that type of genre or person or music or whatever. The problem when we try to define ourselves by what we don't want to do or how we don't want to be perceived is all you're doing now is creating barriers in your possible behavior. You're afraid to dip a toe in a direction. You're afraid to... Uh, ultimately you're afraid. That's what it boils down to is you're afraid. That is something that will perpetually hold you back. What you want to start be able to do is figure out you, figure out what makes you unique. Who do you want to be? And I think comparing to other people in the sense of who do you want to be like can be good. It can be dangerous if like it's, oh, I'll never be able to be as big as Aerosmith or, you know, whatever it is that I, it's, it's just, it's too daunting. It's, it's impossible. But what you can do is soften your heart when you look to those types of people and just pull inspiration. I mean, you guys are artists, so you know, inspiration when you see it, you don't ever, ever have to emulate somebody in their entirety. And to be perfectly honest, you never can. You can never emulate somebody in their entirety. 
But what you can do is find inspiration in elements. So as an example, in my world, especially as somebody who is an influence expert, my fear when I came out into the marketplace was, oh my gosh, I'm so, I don't want people to think that I'm like insert name here. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want them to think that I'm slimy. I don't want them to think that I'm a douchebag. I don't want them to think that I'm just, you know, teaching cheapy tricks that nobody really feels good doing it because it's just, it's slimy stuff. I wanted to work against that. And for a long time, I didn't take the strides in my business because I was afraid, I was constantly afraid that, oh, but if I take a step in that direction, then they'll instantly, they'll automatically associate me with those types of people. Once I was just like, I trust myself, I trust my intentions, I trust my heart, I'm going to make these moves because I know that I'm coming from a genuine and authentic place. Lo and behold, the floodgates freaking opened. People were like, I'm loving your content lately. I really appreciate this. And and just the ball started rolling. So because I wasn't operating out of fear anymore. But now what I've learned to do is even those people that I may not completely gel with, I can look and be like, okay, I really don't like the brand. I really don't like the voice. I really don't like what they're teaching. But this one thing that this guy's doing, that's kind of cool. Like, that's pretty smart. That's a smart strategy. That's a smart tactic. That's a great emotion. That's a great graphic. That's whatever it is. And be okay with taking that little sliver of an element as inspiration to turn into what makes you more you. It doesn't make you that person. You will never be that person. But what you can do is pull elements that just enhance your uniqueness even more. Is this... uh sort of the hero's journey about finding finding your own path in yeah in elements for sure i mean there's elements to the hero's journey i have friends that can completely geek out over uh campbell's stuff um and i'm not as well versed but i'm familiar in the concept and so yeah in one of the steps in the hero's journey is you find a teacher you find a mentor it's a mr miyagi it's a yoda it's that type of thing And so even if you don't have that person that's by your side, you know, teaching you the ways of the force, you still can virtually have mentors, have virtual mentors that, you know, I got my bookshelf behind me of filled with my virtual mentors, people I, some I've met, some I never have, but their thoughts and their behaviors have inspired me. So absolutely, you can, you can mold your own, you know, Obi-Wan. Uh, but I think what I wanted to maybe focus on was uh, being true to yourself. And uh, I just, uh, mm. I, I'm not an expert as well on the, on the whole hero's journey. I just, I just watched uh, Finding Joe uh, yep. l- last night. Yep. Uh, so one thing that, that I thought was kind of cool that I, I could see can apply here is the part about how uh, there's a story of the Knights of the Round Table and they had to go in this forest to go retrieve something. I don't even know the whole story, but... The point was that everybody had to find their own path, their own way in roads, into this force. And if the path was already there, that means that somebody else did it before you, and that's not your true path. Mm. And I think this would apply here because everybody, like you mentioned, need to find their individual worth and what they stand for and their their personality, their musical expression. And if you're trying to imitate somebody so hard, Mm. 
you're going down somebody else's path and that's not the true you and you'll never really open up and enjoy the experience because you'll always feel that you're you're not you're not you're not you're never going to be as good as them right yeah a hundred percent like I hesitate to make steps in my business because I would have an idea I would have a thought and I wouldn't move forward on that because I had these parameters in my head of like oh no it's just not done that way I haven't seen anybody else do that so it must not be a good idea once I started breaking away from that then lo and behold, that new path, my path revealed itself. And then once people started mimicking my work, I was like, oh, whoa, I never That's expected actually a good thing, that yeah. to happen. Right. <laughs> and so um, it takes bravery. It takes courage. It will not work every time. But it's worth it for those times that it does, that it that magic does happen. Um, I think another fear that a lot of people have, entrepreneurs and artists alike, is they feel like every decision is the decision, that every decision they have to stick to forever, that if your first album is in this genre, then it has to be in that genre forever. So you're hesitant to put out that first album because you, you don't want to feel locked in to that particular genre. Or in the entrepreneurial world, it's like, if I choose this niche, this niche market, these, the, a target market, then that's my target market forever. Um, that's not the case, especially in today's day and age. We can change. We can um, reinvent ourselves. We can rebrand. We can play outside of the box way more often than we give than we give ourselves credit for. I've rebranded three times in my career, and each time I was scared to death that it was going to fail. But each time it worked and my audience came with me with each evolution. Mm -hmm. And yeah, do I lose some people uh, on the path? Sure. But they didn't want to move with me on that journey and that's okay. I'm not going to not go on my journey for them. Mm -hmm. It's not worth it. But then every time I become more and more myself, my audience continues to grow because when you are authentic, when you are aligned we as animals are attracted to that. That looks to us as, as a primal level like security. That looks like your alpha. That your tribe develops around that energy. You will always have a smaller tribe if you operate out of fear. Your tribe will continue to grow if you operate out of strength, courage, bravery, and confidence and alignment. So there is hope for the Walmart yodeler. <laughs> Absolutely. There's hope for everybody. And the other thing is one other person's model doesn't have to be your model. If you want to play big arenas, fantastic. That's a great goal. If you want to be in the underground scene and you love it, fantastic. That's wonderful. We need all of this variation. Never feel shamed into your goals aren't big enough. Screw that. I get that a lot. I mean, in the entrepreneurial world, our game is always bigger, faster, richer, you know, that whole thing. One of the best pieces of advice I ever got from one of my earliest mentors was build your business around your life, not your life around your business. So every decision that I make in my business is, does this serve the lifestyle I want to lead? Mm -hmm. And I've been a professional speaker for 10 years now, over 10 years 
I have never been that road warrior speaker, meaning I'm constantly traveling, traveling to speeches over 200 days a year. Or that's, that's not me. I've never wanted that lifestyle. Yes. Have I lost tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars because of it? Sure. But I'm okay with that exchange. I'm okay with that sacrifice because I really hate airports. I hate flying. I I don't enjoy it. So why would I set up my life to be like that? And so knowing that, then I built other facets to my business to get that income in other areas. So never be shamed in like, oh, you know, you're not trying to play, you know, at such and such place or why aren't you in New York City? Yeah, exactly. If it fits your lifestyle that you want to stay regional because you have a family and that's more important to you, good. Know your values, know your alignment. Um, Nothing wrong with that. So don't be shamed into changing a model that does not fit your lifestyle. Awesome. Well, we learned so much about uh, how to become an influencer. If people want to uh, get in contact with you or find out more about the things that you do, uh, how could they find you? Sure. So a real quick place to check out is mindreaderblueprint.com. It's a free download. Um, There's more specifics in there because I outline specific situations and give you like the specific words or things to ask yourself to get into the head of somebody else. So if it's a promoter, if it's a team member, you know, band member, this is a really good tool to download and use. So I recommend that one. And then for all of my blogs and writings, if you go to observeconnectinfluence.com, then go over to the blog and you can, there's a wealth of knowledge over there for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much for spending the, some bit of time and giving your awesome advice. And we hope that uh, our listeners can become better influencers, not only for their fans, but for their own bands and uh, in their own lives. And I'm sure that they'll make them uh, much more successful and not only that but they'll be uh, happier because they'll be staying true to themselves yeah i love that maybe one last question anything that you're into musically these days oh gosh i'm the worst person to ask this um just because i've just got such a wide range of weirdness honestly i would say i'm really late to the bandwagon on this one but i've been digging rihanna I've just been, I've been jamming to Rihanna a lot lately in the gym and in the morning. I, I'm all about that female power, like get my money kind of a feel. I've, 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 that's the groove I've been in. So I've been rocking it out. Yeah. All right. Thanks a lot. Good. Good. I appreciate it. I'm honored. Thanks for having me on. No problem. If you enjoy the show, share it with other musicians. Help us spread the word. Theme song written and performed by Wolves at Midnight. Thanks for listening to the Rockstar Today podcast. Now go out there and rock your business like you rock the stage.